0: Isaiah chapter 59 is where we are heading today. How amazing our God to speak through a prophet many hundreds of years before events would unfold. And for that same prophet to continue to speak to us today. Isaiah 59. I have a question for you. Ever wonder what makes God wonder? Think about it. Have you ever thought about that? Ever wonder what makes God wonder? There are plenty of things that will cause us to wonder. We wonder at many things. We behold the seven wonders of the world. How in the world did they construct these grand pyramids so long ago without all the modern technology and know-how that we have today? But they did. And I hear, how many have been to Egypt, been to The Holy Land, been to this area. Anybody ever seen the pyramids firsthand? There's a few. I hear that it really is quite the wonder. You can't gaze upon something like this without being in awe and being completely amazed. The Taj Mahal. I am heading, the Lord willing, to India in January. And um, again, God willing, we, we are going to try to squeeze in a trip to see the Taj Mahal, but we're, we're there for ministry, and, and we don't know if we'll be able to do that or not. But again, I hear that this is really something so spectacular. We wander at sights and sounds that go beyond our reasoning, that go beyond our ability to understand Have you ever hold a brand new baby and just couldn't speak a word because you were so in awe? The wonder of it all. The splendor and majesty. Every detail accounted for according to God and by His wisdom. Don't tell me that we came from goo to the zoo to you. I beg to differ with you. We were wonderfully made. We were fearfully and wonderfully made, the Bible says. Causing every fingerprint to be special and unique, no two alike. You can't evolve into that. A creator that loves us is involved. That should fill you with wonder. We wonder at a raging storm, a tornado, an earthquake, a, a, an erupting volcano. We wander at the great works of God. Psalm 77, by the way, I apologize to you ahead of time. There will be no notes for you on the screen today. I know you're a little bit spoiled. We try to put the scriptures up there, but today you're going to have to just dig it out with me, okay? But I'm still going to, I'm going to go slow and make sure that those who enjoy taking notes, you'll, you'll, you'll have all the notes you need today. Psalm 77, listen to this. Verses eleven through fourteen. I remember the works of the Lord. The psalmist said, "Surely I will remember your wonders of old. I will also meditate on all your work and talk of your deeds. Oh, your your way, oh God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? Mm. You are the God who does wonders. You have declared your strength among the peoples. We should marvel." And be in awe at the wonders of God's creation. Has anybody had the privilege of visiting Niagara Falls? Isn't it majestic and grand? You just stand there speechless. So much water at such a force just flooding over this area. Anybody ever been to the Sequoias? Probably more people can get to the Sequoias than to Niagara. I'd heard about the Sequoias. I've seen, I'd seen pictures of the Sequoias. But nothing did the Sequoias justice. Like standing in front of it like that. It's unbelievable. If... If they, if they would allow you to put your hands around it. Um, of course, these trees are off-limits. Did you know that? You're not, you're not suppo- supposed <laughs> to touch them. <laughs> Let me confess to you today. Before I knew that they were off-limits, there's like a grove, right? There's an area, it's a grove. Now, when you get to that grove, it's very clear that these are off-limits, but we just kind of when we first drove upon the first sequoia, we, we just parked the car and we got out. And people were up around it. So we thought, great. This one happened to be hollowed out at the trunk so you could actually get in this and, and, and mill around or, you know, you're not supposed to again. But we didn't know that. So that's exactly what we did. We just got inside of the, the, the trunk of this giant grand tree. And we just could not believe the wonder of it all. Since then, we are good boys and girls, and we just, we just enjoy from afar, and we, we look from a distance. But have you ever wondered what makes God wonder? I actually found a scripture. Did you even know that God does, in fact, wonder? Look at verse number 16 of our text. Isaiah 59, he saw that there was no man and God wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore, his own arm brought salvation for him and his own righteousness, it sustained him. Father, we thank you for already what you have done in this house. We thank you for your presence. In your presence is fullness of joy. We thank you for walking up and down the aisles, demonstrating your love for us by speaking to us, encouraging us, healing us. And now, God, we come to the most important part of our time together, at least as far as we are concerned. It is the reading, the hearing, and the application of your word so I pray Lord that what you have intended to happen today would in fact happen let us hear it let us receive it and let us apply the truths that you'll speak to us today we pray it in Jesus name come on everybody agree with me by saying amen Amen. what makes God wonder ever wonder we are going to actually dig out most of Isaiah 59 we're going to be in this chapter quite a bit today keep that open and in your lap i found three three things that make god wonder first of all god must wonder at the passiveness of his people over sin god must wonder at the passiveness of his people over sin. Let's go back to the beginning of Isaiah 59. Let me frame this text for you properly so you can understand what this prophet is saying, what God is trying to say. Let's pick it up at verse number 2. But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden His face from you so that he will not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies. Your tongue has muttered perversity. No one calls for justice, nor does any plead for truth. They trust in empty words and speak lies. They conceive evil and bring forth iniquity. They hatch vipers' eggs And weave the spider's web. He who eats of their eggs dies. And from that which is crushed a viper breaks out. Their webs will not become garments, nor will they cover themselves with their works. Their works are works of iniquity. And the act of violence is in their hands. Their feet run to evil. They make haste to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Wasting and destruction are in their paths." The way of peace they have not known, and there is no justice in their ways. They have made themselves crooked paths. Whoever takes that way shall not know peace. Therefore, justice is far from us, nor does righteousness overtake us. We look for light, but there's only darkness. For brightness, but we walk in blackness. We grope for the wall like the blind we grope as if we had no eyes we stumble at noonday as at twilight we are dead men in desolate places we all growl like bears and moan sadly like doves we look for justice but there is none for salvation but it is far from us for our transgressions are multiplied before you and our sins testify against us. For our transgressions are with us, and as for our iniquities, we know them. In in transgressing and lying against the Lord and departing from our God, speaking oppression and revolt, conceiving and uttering from the heart words of falsehood, justice is turned back, righteousness stands afar off, for truth is fallen in the street and iniquity cannot enter what a terrible moral condition in Isaiah's time what a terrible spiritual condition in Isaiah's time it was a time of violence and dishonesty Verses 2 and 3, your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden His face from you. He will not hear you. Your hands are defiled with blood. Your fingers with iniquity. Your lips speak lies. Your tongue mutters perversity. It was a time of injustice and crooked dealings. Verse number 4 lets us know nobody calls for justice, nor does anybody plead for truth. They trust in empty words and they speak lies. They conceive evil and they bring forth iniquity. It was a time when seemingly evil was triumphing over good. Verses 5 through 8. They hatch vipers' eggs, weaving spiders' webs, and he who eats of their eggs dies. And from that which is crushed... A viper breaks out their webs will not become garments nor will they cover themselves with their works their works are works of iniquity and the act of violence that is in their hands their feet run to evil they make haste to shed innocent blood their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity wasting and destruction are in their paths the way of peace they have not known and there is no justice in their ways they have made themselves crooked they have made themselves crooked paths And whoever takes that way, they shall not know peace. This is Isaiah's time period that he lived in. But does this sound familiar to anybody else in the room but me? You could almost read this off of our front page newspaper. The wickedness of his day is the wickedness of our day. The perversion of His day is the perversion of our day. The iniquity of the people in His day is the iniquity of the people in our day. You know, history has a tendency to repeat itself. And if we don't learn our lessons, we will repeat some of the same errors that our fathers and grandfathers, and forefathers have committed their, their error of their way, their wrongs. Evil is on a rise today, just as it was in Isaiah's day. Confusion reigned among Isaiah's people. Confusion reigns among the people today, especially in our nation. They are carving out paths... And calling it truth. They are reinventing what they want to be truth. But you can't reinvent truth. How many all know you can't reinvent truth? Truth is always the truth. You can't reinvent truth. You can't recreate truth and, and, and concoct truth and then say, this used to be the truth, but now this is the truth. just because it's more convenient, just because it's less offensive, just because it is the way of society. used to be that killing babies was murder. And that's the truth. But somewhere along the line, this interfered with not just women, There are plenty of men that will be held accountable for abortion on that day as well. Hello? I mean, I know we target in on the women because they're the ones that conceive and they carry the baby and they're the ones that have to go into the clinics to have the abortion. But I'm telling you, men, there are plenty of men that will be held accountable and have to answer for what they've done and their part that they played in this as well. It used to be that killing the unborn. This was murder. But politicians, reporters, journalists, media, governors, mayors, just along the way, little by little, surely, slowly but surely, they changed what was the truth and made their own version of what they want us to believe is the truth. But it's still not the truth because to kill the unborn is still murder in the eyes of God. And because it is still murder in God's eyes, it should still be murder in God's people's eyes. Because sin is sin. We're born into it. We have a a propensity toward it we're we're bent toward it just like a plant you set it up and it's going to just it's going to just naturally over time grow toward the light got to rotate the plants around don't you, you got to rotate them around or they'll just that just... is that's how we are if we don't rotate our spirit around in the word of god every day we're just going to be bent toward sin We're going to be drawn toward it, because we're birthed into it. We live in a wicked, wicked world, full of sin, and I'm in a bubble. I really am. My whole life is surrounded by godly people, believers, who I get to feed, I get to care for, I get to teach and counsel. I get to put bandages on and and just love on. You're my life. You're my world, really. And I know God has sent me here to do that. But you go out of these doors and you are surrounded by the world. How many work with people who are unsaved? The majority of the congregation. Maybe you go to school with people who are unsaved. I know you're on summer break, but when you're in school, you know there's people that are unsaved. You are in the world, and you need to be. You're supposed to be. We're in the world, but we're not... Come on, church. You're in the world, but you're not supposed to be of the world. We are strategically planted by God to make a difference in our Our world. And when we make a difference in our world, it translates to making a difference in the world. How do you change the world? By changing your world. We took a long time last year to study this. Weeks we talked about this. Still applies. So God must be up in heaven just going, I don't know who he's talking to. Maybe the angels. I don't know. Maybe he doesn't talk to anybody. But probably his son for sure, right? Jesus, you know? I don't get them. I don't get them. After all I've done for her, after all I have done for him, saving them, delivering them, providing for them, protecting them, healing them, sustaining them, and on and on the list goes. Has God done all that for you? I know He has. I know He has. That's His nature. After all I've done for them, you would think that they would not be so passive about the sinful state of the world. God must wonder at this, church. The passiveness of His people concerning sin. I think he's like going, I know I can count on her. I know she's going to make a difference. I know that I can count on him to take that stand and turn things around. God has done so much, been so kind and generous and faithful. Let's not make him wonder anymore about this, church. Let's let's let God know. You can count on us to do our part. In order to do your part, you have to see the sin, if you're taking notes, see the sin. Don't don't be the ostrich here, sticking your head in the sand and just pretending like everything's fine. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you eyes to see. You know, if you're in a situation long enough, you become used to it. You become uh, immune to it. It doesn't even affect you anymore. You throw a frog into a boiling pot of water, he will instantly jump out of the boiling pot of water. You put a frog in a cool bath of water and put that over the heat and slowly but surely it will come up to a boil and that frog will not even know that he's being boiled alive. That's how it is for believers. We're just in this bath of the the sin of the world. We're just so surrounded by it that sometimes we just get so used to it. We don't even know. We're being boiled alive. We're being affected by the world. We're in the world and we are letting the world affect us instead of us affecting the world. But I'm believing the Holy Spirit's going to show us this today. And we're not going to be passive about sin anymore. Amen? Amen. And let me say this, which leads me to my second point. Not everybody is passive. There are plenty that do see the sin. Oh, I was going to, I was going to give you three, three things right here. See the sin care that there is sin. Some people see it and they don't care. You, we, listen, brothers and sisters, believers, we got to see the sin and we have to care that there is sin. The state of our city, the state of our county, the state of our state and the state of our country, we've got to see it and we've got to care. If you don't care... It's just going to continue. And it's going to get worse. They say you deserve what you tolerate. Verse 2 of that song is, what you tolerate increases. See the sin, care that there is sin, and care enough to do something. You can say you care all you want. I can say I care all I want but I better put my money where my mouth is. It's not just about the talk, church. It's about the talk and the walk. You ready to walk what you're talking? Let's put it in action. Let's see the sin. Let's care about the fact that there is sin and let's care enough to get involved and so many people do. So, which leads me to the second point. God must wander at the persecution of His people who stand for truth. God must wonder at the persecution of His people who stand for truth. I am so thankful today that God has always had a people. In the darkest of hours, God has always had a people. In the most perverse of situations, God has always had a people. In the vilest of nations, God has always had a people. There's always been a remnant that will rise and stand for what is right. But you better know this, church. When you stand for what is right, stand for righteousness. Persecution goes hand in hand with this. Verse number 15 of our text So truth fails, and he who departs from evil makes himself a prey, makes himself a target. Those who stand against evil often place themselves in jeopardy. Consider the persecution of the prophets of old. Many, many, many of them were persecuted for the cause of Christ, for the cause of Almighty God. Jehovah God, Yahweh God, the only true and living God, challenged on every hand, persecuted. Consider Jesus, our prime example today, of one who suffered for what is right. His pure life turned the legalist of his day against him. In fact, those who claimed to be righteous were the ones who crucified the only righteous one. Pharisees and the Sadducees thought they were the ones who were righteous. They were like whitewashed sepulchres, which is a grave marker, all clean and all proper, but inside there are dead bones. Jesus stood for what is right and was crucified by the ones who thought that they were right. Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 12, Yes, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And he knew what he was talking about. Paul knew exactly what he was talking about. Who else suffered more than Paul? Look at this in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. He says, Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors, more abundant. In stripes, above measure. In prisons, more frequently. In deaths, often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A a night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeys, often. In perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils from among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Besides the other things, he says, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. Who is weak, and I am not weak? Who is made to stumble, and I do not burn with indignation? And he says this in verse number 30. If I must boast, I will boast in the things which concern my infirmity. Folks, it is time for the church to be the church. It is time for us to stop being passive, about the sinful situation, it's time for us to take a stand, standing for what is right, speaking the truth in love, acting out the gospel with our deeds, knowing that this very well may lead to persecution. There's one more thing that I want to leave you with today. God must wander at the prayerlessness of His people in sinful situations. God must wonder at the prayerlessness of His people in sinful situations. Back to our text today, Isaiah 59, 16. He saw that there was no man, and He wondered that there was no intercessor. No one who would pray. God must be up in heaven saying, Why? Why are you not praying? I know the answer to this, but I'll ask it anyway. How many believe in the power of prayer? Amen. Of course. How many have had God answer your prayers in times past. I would uh, dare to say that everybody in the room believes in the power of prayer and everybody has had prayer answered. I already know that. So here's the next question. Why do we not pray more often? We know that God answers prayer. He's proven himself by answering our prayers. But yet we don't pray as often as we should. We don't pray as fervently and passionately about our situation as God would like. God saw here in Isaiah's day there was no intercessor. There's nobody who would stand in the gap and plead on behalf of the people, on behalf of their city, on behalf of the country. We live in a wicked wicked country. There are wonderful pockets of good. But over time, and some of you who are 70 years of age and older, you know this better than anyone in the room. You've seen the erosion and the turning over years. Let's pray. Let's let's just believe, ask and believe that God would have mercy on our country, that we would just stand in the gap interceding for our nation, for the sins of the people. I was so convicted as I prepared and, and studied this lesson, and I hope I'm not coming across condemning to you today, I'm trying to just present the truth of God's Word to you and let the Holy Spirit challenge you and perhaps convict you. I don't want guilt going out, but I do want conviction going out. We need to be convicted about our situations and about our our possible passiveness. And even those who are doing what you know to do, you can always do more. and all of us in the room could commit to prayer on another level. It's got to be more than blessing our family before we leave the house, asking God to bless our food three times a day, (laughs) and then a little now I lay me down to sleep before we go to sleep. Let's intercede. Let's pray. God does hear, and God does answer. Abraham prayed for his family. He prayed for Lot, interceding for those in sinful Sodom. Moses interceded for Israel when they had sinned, and they actually deserved punishment and judgment. Moses interceded for them. Jeremiah interceded with tears. Jesus interceded for those who were crucifying him. The early church interceded for Peter when he was in prison. The Palmer Christian Center, I say let's follow their example and let's start praying like we have never prayed. By the way, at 5.30 every Sunday... Many gather in this room right here. We have church on Sunday nights still, by the way. Lots have have, uh, done away with that. We um, are still having church and enjoying God's presence. That's at 6.30, but we gather here at 5.30 to pray. It is a corporate time of prayer, but it is um, not really structured. We just put on some music that is encouraging to your prayer time. Some find a corner in the room and pray. Some walk the room and pray. Some are kneeling. Some are laying before the Lord. But we gather all over this sanctuary in prayer. It's one of my favorite prayer times of the whole week. I have not, on purpose, I have not put that out there, again, as a, uh, a, a, to guilt somebody into coming. I, I just don't, I don't want to do that. But I must tell you, I'm a little surprised at how many people do not participate. And we have a wonderful privilege of prayer. I want you to bow your heads. God, if we have caused you to wander. We repent of that today. We ask you to forgive us. And Lord, we pray that you would help us from this day forward, that we would do our part. We would see the sin that is all around us the sinful state of our nation. We would care about it. We would care so much that we would be willing to do something, to get involved. Help us, God, to stand for what is right, even if we're persecuted for it. Not everybody's going to understand your truth It's certainly going to inconvenience many. But help us all the same to stand for what is right, what is good, to stand for what is truthful, to stand for your word. And God, I pray that your Holy Spirit might show us areas that perhaps we have failed, show us areas that maybe we could strengthen. We could be better. Pray, God, that you would anoint us. I want you to stand, and I want you just to lift your hands, and we're going to pray a prayer together. Just kind of lift your hands as though it's you're receiving something. Just kind of cup your hands like, like this, just... Say, Holy Spirit, come into my life, life. fill me. me. I am available, I am willing, willing. and help me to be obedient. obedient. Use my hands, Use hands. Use use my feet, and use my words that I could make a difference in my world, world. that I could make a difference in my workplace, in my home, in my neighborhood, neighborhood. and even in this church. church. I give you my life life. to be used for your kingdom. In In Jesus' name. And now, Father, I pray for this congregation. I pray, Lord, that you would, in fact, use us in a new way. Help us, God, to see the situation of our our cities, of our counties, of our state, even of this nation, God. Make us fully aware of it and burden us, Lord, that we would care. We would care enough to get involved saying what needs to be said, doing what needs to be done. Anoint us, Lord, that we would be effective in what you've called us to do. We pray this in Jesus' name. I want you to keep your heads bowed. There's just one more thing I, I, I want to ask before I dismiss you. Is everyone in the room ready to go to heaven? Are, are you ready to go to heaven? If you're not sure and you're crossing your fingers and holding your breath, and knocking on wood. Oh, I hope so. Folks, that's not not good enough. You can't just hope you go to heaven. God gave us His Word, and in His Word, Jesus said, these things I have written that you may know that you have everlasting life. And I'm so glad about that. I don't have to hope I can know. And the way that you can know that you're ready to go to heaven is by accepting God's plan of eternal life. His plan was in love for the world. He sent his only son, Jesus. And whoever believes in Jesus will have everlasting life. He said if we call on his name, will be saved. Are you ready for heaven? If you're not sure that you're ready for heaven and you want to make sure and you'd like me to pray for you that Jesus would come into your life and forgive you of your sins and you would confess Him as Lord, lift your hand right now and before we leave, I'm going to pray for you. Is there anyone in this room I'm not sure that I'm going to heaven, but I want to make sure. Will you pray for me? Lift your hand right now, just before we leave, and we'll pray for you. Amen. Thank you. Anyone else? You just lift your hand and we'll pray for you today. The best decision you could make. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Robin, come and play behind me, please, softly. Anyone else? I've seen three hands today. Folks, just give me a couple more minutes. This is so important right here. So important. I need some spirit-filled believers just softly under your breath. Come on, you know what to do. Intercede for me. Intercede with me. Pray right now. Pray right now. Pray right now. Is there anybody else? I'm not trying to prolong this, but I want to make sure that you understand how to get to heaven and that you are ready to go to heaven. I'm going to ask it one more time and then we're going to pray. If you want me to pray for you that you would know how to get to heaven, raise your hand right now. If you've lifted your hand, I want you to come and meet me right here. The water fields are going to help me. If you've lifted your hand you said, Pastor, I, I do want you to pray for me. Come right now. Don't delay another second. Move out from where you are. Let us pray with you that your life will never be the same. Come now. Come on, if you've lifted your hand, now's the time. Today's the day. Hallelujah. Thank you Jesus. As they continue in prayer here, let me remind you tonight at 6:30 we have a great great service plan. Our brand new youth pastor, Pastor Dave Lutz, is going to be bringing us the word, and I'm very, very excited to hear Pastor Dave preach for us tonight. Uh, already he and Sonny have hit this thing running making wonderful impact and some great necessary changes and uh, just exciting. They had a, they had a full, full uh, house on last Wednesday and that's in, that's in the summertime. So uh, it's, it's very exciting. So don't miss Pastor Dave preaching tonight. And again, at 5.30, you're certainly welcome to join me and the staff and the board will be here and we're going to be praying and we would love to have you praying with us. Amen. God bless everyone. Have an awesome afternoon, and we'll look for you tonight.